0: Morning, good morning, good morning. How is the new new father, Dave Marino, joining us? How are you?
1: I'm good, man, I'm good. I've been up since like 4.30, but that's nothing new because here on Office Hours, we get up early anyway.
0: Yeah, man, Mikey gets a little bit of a feel for the West Coast as well. He's visiting and impeccably uh, looking good there with the shiny lights behind him. And (laughs) we are blessed uh, to have the founder and CEO of Sempre, uh, Brigadier General Robert Spalding. First of all, General. Thank you for your service thank uh you. Know, thank you thank you more than ever i think uh we realize uh the price of, of freedom and security which is why i wanted to have you on um understanding how to tene- technology merges and aligns uh today more than ever with keeping uh everyone free and you know i am so blessed you know i just can't believe the freedoms that we have today because of technology but they obviously pose enormous threats that have never been seen before uh, because they're so hard to distinguish. Um, you know, I know you're laser focused in on utilizing 5g and, and other technologies to enhance uh, our own security. Uh, but a lot of the things that we're trying to secure, most people in the United States, especially we don't even realize <laughs> that we need to secure. And so I was thinking, you know, maybe you could give us a little bit of background on that evolution and how technology has, uh, you know, really presented different things that we need to secure than just our borders.
2: Well, that's a great question. You know, um, everybody has an either. We keep score by the way.
0: We we keep score. (laughs) Great
3: questions.
2: (laughs) Everybody, uh, you know, either has an iPhone or an Android and, And it's a useful tool. It's it's incredible the amount of things that we've been able to do with those, you know, just walk outside your door and open an app and get an Uber. But also um, those things have an incredible ability to really gain intelligence about who you are, the way you think, how you make decisions and ultimately. You know, before the iPhone came out in 2007, you look at the top five in market cap companies, AT&T, General Electric, Exxon Mobil, Shell, Microsoft. In 10 years, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, Apple um, really represent 25 of the S&P 500. How do they make all that money? It's really about monetizing intelligence about you. Their business model is selling their ability to influence your decisions. Now, you might think, well, great, Um, let's own stock in Amazon or Apple. Well, the problem is, as we're finding out, particularly with, uh, you know, in 2020 with the coronavirus, this ability to influence your political and social decisions. And this is really, um, you know, being powered by countries like China that really use these tools that Silicon Valley created to then begin to influence your decisions in ways that are counter to really the way our society is supposed to work. So say that you, um, you know, don't want to wear a mask or don't want to get a vaccine. Now you can lose your job. You can not go to a restaurant. You know We're starting to see elements of things that I saw living in China um, here in our own society. So that's the real concern that I have in terms of preserving our freedoms, our privacy the integrity of our data, our ability to own things that are what we who we are as people.
0: I, I just interrupt you, Dave, real quick. Uh, I was I was wondering why my iPhones keep committing suicide because they know the way I think. So <laughs> I, I, I get it now. All right. Sorry, Dave. I had to throw that one in there. No, no,
1: absolutely. Yes. Robin. And, and I echo what Dave said. Thank you so much for your service. We appreciate it uh, now more than ever. Uh, but you you segued right into what I was going to ask you because a quote that you that you wrote really stuck with me. I passionately believe that data will become our most critical resource, and its protection is paramount. I, I think. That goes over a lot of folks' heads. I mean, I think we see the art imitates reality situation. You know, everything from eagle eye to all the movies about protecting data and, and how much data is actually out there on you. But can you highlight for for you know, maybe some lay people that are watching, myself included, um, what you mean by that statement and how Sempre is putting together systems and technology to help protect our data?
2: Well, you know, like I said, your device that you put in your pocket. Is basically a vacuum for information about who you are. In fact, um, I can basically begin to understand, you know, where you go, who you meet, who you talk to, you know, everything about you just by beginning to to look at the data that's collected about you. It's available, by the way, to the highest bidder. One example. I can draw a ring around a military base in the United States and I can begin to pick out who's the commander, who are the people that work there when they go overseas. I can tell you just about everything about that base and this information is available and I can do it for anybody. So it's really about that data. So it's based on the fact that we built our, in our society, this mobile society on um, open information. Now, So say you want to get away from that. Well, you're going to get rid of your iPhone or you get rid of your Android. You're going to stop signing up for all these services that may work today. But what 5G is, is really about taking that data collection out of your pocket and building it into the city. So now cameras are tracking you. Microphones are tracking you. So instead of taking that phone out of your pocket and saying, hey, I want to open an Uber app and get an Uber, you just say, hey, I want an Uber and a camera sees your face does facial recognition a microphone picks up your voice just like today when you have uh, Alexa or you have Siri or you have Google Assistant you say hey you know turn on the lights all that data being collected about you now is no longer in your control and so really our focus is about building the in, the control of your data into your into our infrastructure it's about building the the into the the telecom network, which is really um, one half of what powers your mobile device. The other half is data centers like Amazon Web Services or Google Services. These two combine to really power who we are today as a society so much more than you know before the introduction of the mobile Internet. Good morning, Rob. Absolutely agree and uh,
3: love what you're doing. So once again, uh, uh, three of us, I want to follow up on both of my partners and thank you for your service. Um, I agree. I think, you know, everybody's uh, recognizing I think they said as of December 2020, data uh, surpassed oil is the most valuable com- commodity on Earth. Right. And so you're right in the right place. And I think a lot of people unknowingly expose themselves of what you what you're doing with Sempre is, you know, providing that secure 5G infrastructure. Are there some basic things that you counsel your your customers on or people on in general? to say, you know, be aware that by doing this, this, and this, you're really exposing yourself. Are there some basic things that people should know?
2: Well, at an individual level, it is really that that device that you carry. And there's no way to turn it off, by the way. You know, Apple's began to introduce some some features. And I every time they ask me, do you want to ask this app not to track? Absolutely, I want to do that. But ultimately, the business model of the, these companies is really to track, you know, your data. So, Um, You know, as an individual consumer, it's kind of difficult today to really do anything about it because that's the business model. You know, our goal is basically to build infrastructure for those departments, agencies and and enterprises. So think Department of Defense, think, you know, Tesla or Ford Motor Company that want to protect the data. You want to protect their cars from being hacked, you know, the electrical grid, water systems. You know, first responders, they all need secure, survivable, resilient infrastructure. Our goal is to provide infrastructure for them and then to use that infrastructure to provide, you know, service for customers, just, you know, average people. And so that takes time to build that out. But, you know, what we say is there are so many ways to poke, in, poke holes in our infrastructure today. you saw, for instance, over uh, Christmas Eve, the bombing in Nashville that took down uh, E-911 and mobility uh, in Tennessee and surrounding states for almost two weeks. You saw the Colonial colonial Pipeline um, ransomware attack. You saw the meat packing. You saw the fact that they were trying to put uh, more chemical into the water system in in that town in Florida. This is happening all over the place. And so our goal is to really begin to protect those things and then as we do we're going to be able to scale up and provide services for average people that want to protect their data as well and it's really about encryption encryption was a technology developed mostly by the military but you know i believe that for a free society for people that want their you know independence and and their political sovereignty that we need to provide encryption
0: to everybody yeah and beyond beyond encryption. encryption The, um, you guys getting that get, there, Mikey? Yeah. Sorry. All right. So, in beyond encryption, though, you know, there's so many subtle things that can change. Uh, you know, I read an article that, you know, if somebody would hack our uh, transport system and just change all the lights to green, more people would die than in 9 11, uh, just from turning our lights green, like every streetlight green at one time. So, there's so many things that we have to defend against. What is the, you know, the solution because there's so many areas that, you know, we, we build for today, but you know, the speed of technology is our biggest nemesis because we can build for today or even for a year from now. Um, But it reminds me of uh, the old naval shifts, ships where you literally budget, but it's 17 years to build a naval ship. By the time it's done, they have to revamp all the technology that was planned because now it's like 17 months. You would have to do it. How do we, uh, beat the time and speed of technology in order to protect ourselves?
2: So um, remember I said that the, the the two halves of our, the thing that powers our mobile internet, half of it's a telecom network. So think AT&T. The other half is the data center. Think Amazon web services. Well, the problem is, and the reason we haven't done anything about it is because people think that is too big a problem to solve. You know, if we had, for instance, a um, a single Uh, North Korean nuclear weapon detonated above our um, above the country in our upper atmosphere wouldn't harm anybody Wouldn't the the, the nuclear fallout wouldn't uh, make it down to earth. But what it would do is fry telecommunications and computing and on our grid and it would take down power. So think Katrina happening across the United States and, you know, for a long time because it would we would have to physically repair the things that happened. So it's too hard for us to actually be able to, to do, to fix that, you know, because we'd have to rebu- rebuild the entire infrastructure of the United States. And so the, what, what we did was basically take those two halves, the telecom network and the data center, and put it into one tower, one piece of infrastructure. And so what we can do is as we begin to deploy these towers, we begin to introduce security and resiliency and survivability in kind of a hybrid infrastructure. So in addition to what we have today, we have a little bit of tomorrow. So it's kind of taking a device approach to infrastructure. We create an infrastructure device that's hardened against EMP electromagnetic pulse that would come from a nuclear um, blast or even a um, a mass coronal ejection, which is basically a solar flare that also can can melt the grid and, and certain electronic components. And we protect it from cyber in that one tower. So that one tower can protect, say, a community. And then as you begin to deploy that to protect, you know, military bases or water supply, those communities can then take advantage for their everyday lives.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, check out founder and CEO of Sempre, General Uh, General, thank you so much again for your service and enlightening us on all the critical life issues and security issues that we face. And uh, in the end, uh, we still have the greatest country in the world. And as much as we're facing these problems, so is everybody else. Uh, And we'll uh, be very excited to see how your technology and your security helps to facilitate that for all of us. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. All right, rocking and rolling. Not bad starting with a general. Uh, not not Shaquille O'Neal, the general, the, the other general. So uh, we're looking good. All right, next we have my friend, Evan Neerman. Welcome, founder and CEO of Red Banyan. He is an author and we are on the crisis mode today. Uh, he has a book called Crisis Averted uh, and we're just gonna take a peek behind the curtain into crisis management uh, and tough decisions. These, these decisions, Evan, uh, seem to get, more and more difficult because of what i was saying before the the decisions are maybe easy but the outcomes move so quickly that we, what may be right for friday uh may completely change by monday and uh, there's so many different variables that are involved what inspired you to you know write the book uh in looking at crisis management and making tough decisions
4: yeah well it's great to great to see you again my friend too long but i'm glad to reconnect uh look we live in a time of crisis and for years you know my business is is crisis management crisis pr and i spent almost a decade telling business owners c-suite executives listen a crisis is is inevitable it's not a matter of if it's when and you got to be ready And for 10 years, people thought I was a little crazy. They thought I was a bit of a chicken little warning that the the sky was going to fall down. Then what happens? COVID-19, global pandemic, the economy shuts down. People uh, see a political tumult on a scale they've never seen. They've seen divisiveness. So now it, it goes without saying in this country, everyone understands now. Yes, we are living in a time where crises happen. We're living essentially in a time of crisis. So the reason behind the book was over the past 20 plus years, I've had the opportunity to help organizations, nonprofits, individuals, good people, good companies facing suboptimal situations. And I thought to myself, if I can capture some of the advice that my firm Red Banyan gives to them if I can give them some tried and true and time-tested strategies to get through tough times, well, I should do that. And so you know, if if you listen to the book on Audible or you pick it up, you'll see that I, I say in the book, if this book, going to the trouble of writing it, helps one good person out there experience an outcome that they otherwise wouldn't have had from not reading the book, it was worth the effort and I did my job.
1: Evan, that, that, that's really cool. And it's, this seems like a book I definitely want to dive into without giving away uh, the, the, the juice for free, because I want folks to listen to the book and, and, and read the book. What is, if there is one thing, what is one universal uh, consistency? If there's a crisis at every level, what's the first step folks should take?
4: Yeah, that's a great question. And By the way, I'm not afraid to give away the juice. I'm not nice. a, a, afraid to give it away. Pick up, pick up the book and... Uh, If there's one overriding concept that I would suggest to you, it is this concept called press the truth. What do I mean by that? What I mean is in the old days, it used to be enough to to pull the turtle move, go inside your shell, protect your head, hope that if I just go into my shell and I wait, the danger will pass me by. Well, that doesn't work. If you end up taking the turtle option, you wind up like a turtle on the highway. You get squashed. So press the truth means you have to be engaged. You have to be proactive. You have to be willing to get in the fight to defend your reputation, to push out your message. Because if there's misinformation that's taking hold, if there's falsities that are making their way around the internet, you can't afford to sit back. You need to take control. You need to seize the initiative and you got to stand up for yourself. And with the interconnected world that we're living in and the speed with which not just good news, but especially bad news moves, you got to press the truth.
3: Absolutely agree, Evan. Good morning. And, uh, you know, said another way, we trust but vet, right? And Dave always says, ask the hard questions. And, you know, practically speaking, sometimes it's much more difficult for people to do that than it is for others. Because just the you know, human nature and psychology, how do you get people to that point where they're able to do that? Because everybody knows, okay, this is what I have to do. That doesn't seem right. Let me ask this person this to make sure that this makes sense. But they can't get themselves there. So so what are some of the te- tips and techniques that you help people with to get them there because it it requires some courage and, and not everybody has that in certain situations.
4: Yeah. And there's something that takes place called analysis paralysis where the person is frozen because they don't know if, if I do this, then that, if I go this way and also in a time of crisis, it's akin to being in a washing machine, you're getting tumbled this way and that you're gasping for breath. You feel overwhelmed. You're, you feel like you're drowning. And you've got all these people who are wishing you well, your friends, your family members, who are coming at you with what they think you should do. So it can be a very overwhelming, it can be a very troubling and difficult time. And so one of the things that I talk about in the book is having a trusted resource, having either a crisis communications firm that you've already vetted in advance that you know you can reach out to and they're gonna be in your corner there for you, or even just picking up that book uh, crisis averted, and having it sitting on your desk so that you can open it up, you can flip through it, you can reference some of the key things that you need to do in the early hours of a crisis, and you'll increase your your odds to not just survive, but to thrive.
0: You know, Evan, one of the things that has changed, and obviously I've been in this space a long time, especially with the celebrities and athletes that we had, I recall one of our Hall of Famers right before he was inducted got a, a, a DUI for blowing a .09, and of course, you know, illumination is what Lee Steinberg had taught me to get out in front of it, as you say, to you know, this uh, truth of pre- what it was—press the truth, or is that press the truth? Yeah, press the truth. And illumination, uh, and in way back then, it worked. Right, you you get out in front of it and say, hey, uh, number one, I'd like to apologize to my family, friends, associates, teams, owners, etc. No one should ever get behind the wheel, even if they have one sip of alcohol not admitting guilt, but also illuminating, right? And, th- and this was w- one of the, the standard crisis management things that I've learned over the years. There, there's a nuance today that I'd be really interesting, interested in in your perspective, and it's, to me, philosophical, energetic, but also strategic. There's spectrumization that has occurred, uh, and so the audiences are segregated, uh, where before you had a ubiquity of information, uh, when you put out a message about nobody should get behind the wheel with one sip of alcohol, it, it was pretty uh, blanketed. Uh, today, you actually, I think, can use and uh, not want to give energy to certain spectrums. So, you know, if your brand is completely the antithesis of a spectrum of people that are hating on you, you, you may not want to uh, agitate that because that spectrum actually creates energy of people defending you in the spectrum of the audience or community that you want. How have you seen this idea that I have of you know differentiation of spectrum, changing crisis management, where now it's not just one blanket you you have to be much more strategic about which spectrum of people that you're either leaning in or leaning against or illuminating or hide, you know, or hiding from uh, because it is uh, spectrum based.
4: Yeah. That's a great point, David. And uh, the it's a really Sorry, great keep point. score,
0: right? Mike, give me my point.
4: That's a terrible point. Um, <laughs> I, can, can I actually completely disagree with you. I think we're <laughs> wasting time getting into this. Take it away.
0: <laughs>
4: no, in, in all seriousness, look, the, The world that we're living in today is much more complex than in the past. And as you were saying, it used to be there was kind of a tried and true script for how do you deal with the crisis situation? If you happen to be a high profile actor, celebrity athlete, you get into a situation. I I like your uh, your anecdote about the guy blowing high on a a breathalyzer and and needing to apologize for it. Well, in that case, it, it was pretty simple even 10 years ago you either hold a press conference and you make your announcement or you send out a statement or you have your agent send out a statement and it goes into the media, it gets published, it stands, speaks for itself and that's it. Well, now the media landscape has become so fractured and there is this wide spectrum and there are different target audiences and It is much more complicated because you have to reach different people with different agendas in different parts of the internet. And whatever you say can and will be used against you for eternity. Because once something goes live online, it's there. You're not scrubbing it off. So what that forces you to do is to really do a careful calculation. And you need a calibrated response and you have to do what I would describe as a target mapping exercise when you're ready to go public, and that is to really understand who are the core audiences that you need to reach, who is the most essential one that you get to, and who's gonna be an amplifier for you. If you go and you provide your message to a core set of people or surrogates, they in turn may be able to send that message out to an ever larger audience. So it's definitely more complicated, it's harder, And just as the Internet has made it possible to bypass mainstream media and no longer have to do things like hold a press conference or drop a formal press release, you can go directly to the people with your statement. But the challenge is there's now 100,000 different ways to get to all the people who are tuning in.
1: Evan, I think it would be helpful if if you tell a little bit about your story, um, because obviously being the CEO of Red Banyan, you, you didn't wake up and just become the CEO of Red Banyan. We know that you've been involved uh, with, with high level international governments. And, you know, at heart, you you started in the PR space and there's so many different ways to kind of skin a cat. I see myself as, as as a crisis manager very often, you know, as a, a white collar criminal defense attorney dealing with high profile matters. And I'm glad you said press the truth, because for me as an attorney, my first thing is gather the facts and then and then move. But I think for, for those that are watching that, you know, hey, Evan's job is cool. I want to work. I want to be like Evan. I think it would be great to kind of tell your story and uh, illuminate some of the lessons you learned along the way.
4: Sure. Well, I got my start in Washington, D.C. I spent the first 15 years of my career working in and around government, so political advocacy and politics. And there, it's a very rough and tumble world. There, the, the, the concept of messaging, getting the messaging right, and also What you said, facts matter. And in this era, facts matter more than ever. And I think we as a country have started to move away from that, but it's really important that we come back to that as our guiding light and as our North Star. And so, in in the realm of politics and policy, you need the information, you need the facts, and then you need to convey them. And you need to convey them to those who matter. If you're working in, in a political sense, that means senators, it means members of the House, it means administration officials. Well, after seven and a half years working in politics, I decided I wanted to move to the private sector. And I ended up working for a high stakes crisis PR firm, where we were mostly counseling foreign governments, and also CEOs who were embattled, who had made mistakes largely and needed to apologize for them needed to atone for those sins. And from there, after 15 years in DC, I actually moved out of Washington because I thought to myself, you know, D.C. is always going to have a central place in my life. There's always a lot of work for me to do here. But I also wanted to choose to live in a place that I thought was a better fit for my family. And at the time I had a a two-year-old son and my wife was pregnant with my daughter. And so we ended up moving to Florida where I worked for a startup company and did that for about a year and a half, two years before I left to start my own firm. And I get the question a lot, how do I... Learn to be a crisis communicator. This is so interesting. I want to. I want to do this work, and it's kind of a catch twenty-two. You can't really be an effective crisis communicator until you've actually been in those situations. You have to. You have to have done it in order to get better at it. It's just like any other skill. And some of the biggest uh, challenges, you know, how are you going to find a firm that will take you on and teach you and educate you and give you the opportunity to do it? When the stakes are really high, there's no margin for error. So one of the things that we try to do here at, at Red Banyan is you know, when we bring people in, we're a very small, nimble organization. And we really make mentorship a key part of how we help people through their career path. And so it's really essential when you bring in the right people. My view in terms of hiring is give me the right mindset and we'll train the skill set. And that has served us very, very well up to this point, and it's it's how I think we're gonna we're gonna proceed.
0: Yeah, Evan and it, absolutely love that and agree. Go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. Oh no, I was just gonna close it out uh, as Yomlet is in the green room. Um, but I was gonna say that it gets more and more complex uh, from you know the first time that we've met and all the different, as you said, simple outlets. What I really want to point out that you mentioned that uh, I, I think genius is. Having a separate person for amplification, right? There, there's a separate group of people. It's not just spectrumization; it's the amplification uh, that's so critical because you know to be able to connect the dots backwards of where the information is going to end up uh, is some type, sometimes the most uh, crucial of all differentiators uh, when we're branding or creating or reengineering a brand uh, during a crisis. Uh, so. Uh, I would highly suggest someone that's been in this game for 35 years, uh, highly suggest checking out this book. Uh, my friend Evan knows his stuff, as you can tell by the answers that he's given. Uh, Evan, I know we have evannearman.com. Uh, books everywhere, I assume?
4: The book is everywhere. You can go on amazon.com. You can get a Kindle version. You can buy the hardback. You can also find it on Audible and iTunes and other places. So, um would love to lo- love to get your feedback too to all the folks who are out there. So, re-
0: we, give we us a review
4: be- and uh, give us your feedback. And I, I review all the the mail that we get and look forward to continuing the conversation.
0: Yeah, I look forward to listening to it. I, I'm still trying to create uh, law school audible. Uh, I would have done much better in law school if it was audible <laughs> instead of reading. How about you guys? You would have done yeah, better way of uh, Mike's Dave's Mike's media. He's scared of you. Uh, no, I say you're not the only one. could know, you
1: imagine when you had to brief like 300 pages the night before and just go to the gym and listen to it?
0: Yeah. Well, I can listen at like three times speed. So I could cut yeah. law school down to one year. So yeah. uh, we would have had a fun. Anyway, Evan, come back and visit me, man. I'm going to read the book. I'll let you know what I think. So should everyone else. Uh, it's always nice to see you and congratulations on your success.
1: Congrats.
4: Thanks so much. Great to see hey, you guys. Have a great day.
0: Have Thank you, buddy. Take care. All right, speak about another friend here, the founder and CEO of Louder Global. It's been way too long. <laughs> that how are you? Hi, Where?
5: hi, David. How are you, David and David and Mike? So nice to hey, see Yamaleta. you here. Yeah, indeed, hey, it's Yamaleta. been
0: a while. It's hi. Nice, nice to see you in the light, not the bright lights of a stage or the darkness of a backstage, <laughs> uh, which hopefully we'll see you soon uh, as we all venture to Portugal in November. Uh, I'm very excited. Um So excited about, you know, your love language is loud. Um, And I'm going to let the boys talk about the loud side. You know, you are a speaker, a confidence maker, coach, and confidence is something that I study. Um, Confidence to me is a shift in a paradigm of understanding what we are interfering with, not something that we go get. Uh, And it's an important shift that I've uh, really focused in on in my own career to see what's interfering with my confidence because I'm connected to and through the greatest source of confidence, the greatest source of light lessons uh, to allow, you know, the concept of louder to exist. Um, What have you learned through this love language of clearing the interference between you and the greatest source of love uh, and everyone else?
5: I remember last time that we spoke, I did mention that jumping with a blissful feeling and that peekaboo was the greatest thing that I have ever tried in my life. And this is also a result of, you know, facing those fears and understanding what makes me feel confident, what makes me feel natural and authentic, and then try it more and more. So working on your weaknesses is important, but it's more important to work on your strengths. So that deeper analysis of who you are and who do you want to be is super important and has allowed me to love everything that I do and the people that I surround myself with. So with louder, I don't only love the training part or the speaking part, it's also those connections. And if I didn't have that confidence to speak up and to say what I'm feeling and to listen to other people's stories, I would not be able to create those relationships, which are very meaningful for the story.
1: Yeah, Milet, it's so good to see you as always. And um, you are the definition of staying on brand uh, more so than (laughs) anyone I know. Uh, And the reason I say that is because Louder is your brand. It's it's colorful, it's fun, uh, and it's completely in sync with your personality. And every time we speak, every time I see you, whether professionally or socially, you're on brand. Talk to us about how you tapped into your personal loves uh, for your professional brand and and, and why that's important to stay authentic to who you are when building your personal brand.
5: I totally, David, yeah, indeed, it's so great to see you again. I totally agree with Evan. What he said is so important to always have a clear brand when we are facing crisis, but also to have a, a clear brand when we are having a good time, because that would create that consistency. So for me, it has been super important to be very obvious with my branding and try to showcase this this as much as I can. As you mentioned, I love color, so I do it with my attire. I do it with the way that I communicate with my verbal and nonverbal communication with what I do in my company. So Evan was also mentioning with hiring with the people that I work with, Rachel, Kenny, Morgan, all of these wonderful people, we really treat each other like a family. And I want them to feel that passion, not only because I tell them to, because they want to. So it's been very important for me to be on brand because also you were mentioning before, you try to reach that core ecosystem that you have, those cheerleaders that already try to know you and they want to know you and they understand who you are and they are going to be the ones that are going to go further and sell you on your behalf so if they don't have that clarity of who you are and what are they going to get from your side when they meet you it's very difficult and it would be kind of unfair to ask them to sell you on your own on on your on their behalf so it's so important to have that brand very clear for confidence to be super strong but also for others to have that trust, and create stronger relationships.
1: Mike, before you and, say something, I just want to highlight one of the, yeah. the things she said. It's it's very on point with what Dave Meltzer says. Uh, and that take an opportunity to talk about ambassadorship, Dave. What she was describing is ambassadors and why they're important and how they work. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely.
5: Yeah.
3: Hi,
1: Yamala, Good morning. Nice to
3: see you again.
5: Hi. Can hi, we- Mike
3: you you talk about confidence and the ability to convey uh, you know I've seen you personally control the stage in in Portugal and just capture the entire audience and how that resonates with them and I think it's you know so clear that louder isn't just a an amplification or a volume but it's a frequency right because if yeah. if a song is loud but it's terrible nobody wants to hear it it has to be loud and great a message the same thing and so what i'm really curious about is where where and how what are the mechanics that you go through to try and find that message, right? Because when you're on stage, it doesn't always come to you. It's not immediate like that. Are there times of quietness that you go into? Do you, what do you employ? Do you meditate? Do you think, where do you come up with these ideas that you want to be loud about for the world to hear and share with you?
5: Oh, I move. Thank you for asking that. I love movement. And for those who know me a little bit more, I was a ballerina. So I started with that passion of showcasing my emotions through some kind of movement. And then when I turn into a speaker, it was just an added value to have my voice as the power of influencing and impacting other people. So I love to move when I'm feeling stressed, when I don't know what to do. And when I want to relax and just have fun, I just move, move, move. I move my hands, but I also move my body. And that allows me a lot to, to feel confident and at ease on the stage. Yeah. But also a lot of analysis behind, as we were saying, who do you want to be? What do you want to leave behind when you close the door and people are talking about you? So having that analysis is super important to be also on stage because things can go wrong on stage and if you're not completely <laughs> just super strong about what do you want to deliver then you start to stumble and even if you make a mistake we all make mistakes. We especially if that language that you're speaking at is not your first language, you can mispronounce, th- mispronounce things or what have you. But if you have that confidence, then you can bounce back very fast. So it's not about not making mistakes or feeling 100% in control. It's about how fast can you react to those situations? And does it look natural or performed or produced? So the analysis helps a lot with that authenticity
0: and within the context of that authenticity you actually make people confident and you know it's one thing it's not what you say is what they hear but it's another thing to impact or empower other people to share uh your frequency or share that empowerment and be able to execute on it and i see so many people billions of dollars made in self improvement development speaking book writing you know i have thousands of people reaching out for help and but there's certain aspects of helping people that you know, cannot guarantee success. Um, what do you do uh, to make someone more confident?
5: I tell them to think. What do they want and what do they have? The fact that we don't have certain strengths doesn't mean that we cannot develop them. But we might as well start with what we have now and then work our way towards that main objective in the end, but still savor that journey, those little wins, because a lot of the times we're so focused on the end goal that we forget that journey. And that journey is actually what takes us to be successful in the end. So if we are savoring those little steps, then we also feel so happy and proud. And as Mike was saying, it's all about the frequency. And I I tell the people that I work with and my friends, we have that music line and you're writing very, very right that if it's out of tune, it doesn't sound good, but we need to find that rhythm and rhyme. So I tell them to find their tops and their bottoms because my top and my bottom can be very different from someone else. We all have different ranges, acceptance of ranges. But if we find what makes us feel good, but then a little bit extra and then what makes us feel bad and then a little bit extra, we can feel more confident and strong on whatever we're doing and whatever we're doing it.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of people don't recognize their own superpowers because things are so easy within what they're doing in a superpower. So I always tell them to listen to other people when they say like, how do you do that? Oh my God, you're so good at that. A lot of times those are the superpowers that we have, but they're ignored because we think because it's easy for us, it must be easy for everyone else. So that couldn't be a superpower. And a lot of times we need to lean into the things and the awareness of what other people see in us as well. So definitely agree on the frequency. And I love the range. Uh, Dave, you have a question real quick?
1: Yeah, I just wanted to to highlight a little bit for everybody out there what, what Louder is and what you guys do on a day to day basis. We know you as a personal speaker and MC and a confidence maker coach. But what sort of things do you work on at Louder?
5: Oh, we work on a lot of very interesting projects and we have a lot of new partnerships that I'm very excited about. But in general, we train people in communication skills, soft skills, the ones that are super important and long lasting. And we also do event curate speakers, as you have been one of my speakers for one of my events, which I really, really appreciate. But we also develop brands, not only the corporate side of brands, but also the personal branding. And even with corporates, I try to work with them in their personal branding first so they can be able to communicate that corporate branding with more assertiveness. And now we have two new partners. Well, one, we have been working with them for a while, but now it's super strong, is with the female entrepreneurs worldwide, which David, you're also part of it. We do mentorship programs, online sessions. It's all about educating and developing yourself. And they are growing so much. So I'm very happy to be an ambassador for them and working together with older projects. And the second one, which is quite new for me, It's with HK Outsider. This is a community of outdoor enthusiasts, but now we are building this business to create a platform for people to get support with mental health and also to support the environment because there's many research around activities outdoors and mental health balance. So I'm working with them in their communications and just trying to push out these into the world and getting more community members and bringing individuals together. So these two partnerships are very, very exciting. And last but not least, we're getting a co-book released next month. So that has been very, very exciting. I'll let you know when it's out. So you can also give me your, your feedback about the stories that are in this book. It's all about women's stories and how can they pass from hurdle to success. So those are the super, things I've been working with.
3: Super exciting, Amilet! Congratulations on all of your success. Look forward to the, the book. Make sure, yeah, please let us know. Look forward to that. And tell everyone else uh, where they can find you and learn more about you and Louder.
5: Well, we are at their website, uh, louderglobal.com and all the social media handles. Well, mine is Louder by Jamilet Kano. And we have a Twitter, Louder Global, a YouTube channel, Jamilet Cano, and I hope to invite you soon to be part of one of my sessions on my YouTube channel. We're also working on that. And LinkedIn, Jamilet Cano, and Louder Global.
0: You're amazing. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you in November. Hopefully, even sooner. You're amazing. <laughs> you look great. Anytime
5: you want to come to Hong Kong, you know you have a home here.
0: Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.
5: Hopefully, Thank you, right. Yamilet.
0: Thank you for lighting <laughs> up our show. Thank you for lighting See up our show. Have a good weekend. We need See more of, of you. Time. Thank you. Yes. Awesome. She's amazing. All she right. Really gentle fellows. We got the uh, clubhouse in about 15 minutes and I got to take out the trash in between. Cause I just got back from the beach house in a birthday celebration at the Benny Honda's at the beach. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh nice. my God. It was Happy early, birthday, Julie. early driving home. She's still there. I took off. Um, Anyway, takeaway for the day, Mikey, you go first since we left you hanging on the back end. Sorry, Mike. Yeah,
3: no worries. Thank you. Um, and happy birthday, Julie. Uh, you, look, when you go right down the list of the guests, I think that the uh, the theme was very clear. It's uh, 90% preparation, 10% execution in life. Be prepared, be prepared, be prepared with yourself, with your personal brand, with your professional brand, with what's around you so that in the event of a crisis, you are more well-equipped to adapt and to uh, deal with it.
1: Yeah. uh, I think that's a really, really great takeaway. I think uh, with all three of them, what we saw is the most key element to success is consistency. I mean, obviously from the general, um, you know, the disciplines he learned in the military uh, to Evan with his crisis management to to John being consistent with her brand is, you know, you just got to be consistent.
0: Nice. And, you know, consistency is obviously a, mainstay of enjoying the consistent persistent pursuit of your potential and the conscious continuum um you know for me the takeaway is how important and difficult spectrum is you know Mm -hmm. in building security you know we have to see the inner workings of these spectrums because it is a vacuum you know and we're talking about you know your own phone is a vacuum of you Uh, But in a larger sense, these spectrums are vacuums. If you're living in a certain spectrum, you actually have your own reality. And now it's getting harder and harder to share a vision when people differ in their realities. And that applies to all the different people that came on today in security and the interrelations of a spectrum. You know, it blew my mind almost. Gave me a little bit of fear. I had to stop, drop, and roll on it when he's like, Yeah, well, you could, you know, now bomb the atmosphere. EMP, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And it's like, Whoa. Uh, and, you know, look, there will be incidences in education and experiences for all of us in this idea of spectrum. But I think more and more understanding spectrum, the best thing we can do is to find meaning within ourselves. So I am 100% sure that I don't know what I don't know. But I do know that I only know and can control my mindset, my heart set, and the best I can, the conscious continuum that I experience in the spectrum that I live. So uh, I appreciate you guys joining our spectrum here on Office Hours. We will see in 14 minutes on Clubhouse. We have training today. I'm training. It's going to be interesting. I'm training uh, the seven faces of intention from Wayne Dyer. Uh, awesome. So I'm going to be training uh, those seven faces of intention. Congratulations to David Marino, new father. Congratulations to Mike. Congrats. my NFT. Oh, she's so beautiful. beautiful. I can't wait to see her in person. Yeah. Uh, a big baby, though. She's already taller than me and Mike. Um, <laughs> it's not saying much. No, not yet. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> so, uh, I forget what I was going to say. Anyway, my NFT specialist, Mikey. Thank you both for joining me. Hopefully, I'll see you in about 13 minutes on Clubhouse. All right, see Thanks, you guys, guys. Soon.
1: Thanks, guys. Thank Bye.
0: You. All right, everyone, join me, David at dmelter.com. If you want my ebook, audio book, you want me to sign a book, send it to you. I will pay for everything, shipping the book, et cetera. David at dmelter.com. Clubhouse is next, 6 a.m. Pacific time. Join us on Clubhouse, The Breakfast of Champions, the number one show on Clubhouse. And of course, at 11 a.m. Pacific time, 11 a.m. Matt will have a whole different outfit on and his bed will be made by then. But we are rocking and rolling. We are going to teach Wayne Dyer, Dr. Wayne Dyer, seven faces of intention.